There's a big difference between gatekeepers and ushers. The former are concerned with limiting access and the latter are engaged in facilitating it. Now, it's not usually possible for someone to make direct contact with a notable or important person without going through a gatekeeper, someone who manages the flow of engagement with a VIP. And John 12, 20 to 23 records an incident where two of the disciples found themselves thrust into that role. A group of Greek-speaking pilgrims that had come to Jerusalem for Passover wanted to meet Jesus. We can't be certain of their motive, but while mingling among the crowds in the city, they undoubtedly heard about Jesus and his miracles. So it wouldn't be surprising if they were drawn to him like those seeking to meet a celebrity. First they appealed to Philip, then he conferred with Andrew, and the two of them brought the request to Jesus. But he neither denied nor granted the group an audience. In fact, he seemed to ignore the request altogether. It's as though he simply refused to play the fame game. Instead, he declared that the time had come for him to be glorified. And in direct contrast to the concept of glory that may have motivated the pilgrims to seek him, he wasn't talking about the realm of fame and fortune of audience seekers and gatekeepers. He was talking about his crucifixion. In verse 24, he described the pathway to honor in the kingdom of God, revealing how very different it is from the one the world pursues. He used the analogy of a grain of wheat being planted in the soil. He said the process of its decay that results in the emergence of a new fruit-bearing plant is an illustration of the kind of glory he sought and what it requires. His meaning was clear. For him, Glorification is the result of giving life to others, and that requires self-sacrifice, not self-promotion. In that context, he went on to say in verse 25 that if we fall in love with the kind of self-centered life this world offers, we'll find it slipping through our fingers. But if we reject that folly and pursue the self-sacrificing life he modeled instead, we'll gain it. Then in verse 26, he said, if we follow the path of his example, we'll experience the power of his presence along with the only kind of glorification that matters, the honor of the heavenly father. He wasn't calling for martyrdom, but he was pointing to the cross. Matthew 16, 24 quotes Jesus saying, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. There's only one cross where the price for our sin could be paid, and only Jesus could pay that one. But according to him, his followers will have their own to shoulder, and at certain hours will resemble his in this respect. We're going to die on it. <laughs> that may sound a little harsh, but it's not about loss. It's about transformation. The grain of wheat undergoes a type of death, that transforms that single seed standing alone into a growing plant that reproduces. And if Jesus is gonna be able to engage us in his mission of life-giving spiritual fruitfulness in this world, we'll need to go through a similar process. It's not about physical death, it's about something much more challenging, dying to self. 
According to Romans 12, 1 and 2, that's not about sacrificing our lives. It's about becoming living sacrifices. It's about relinquishing our self-focused agenda, allowing Jesus to reshape our thinking and experiencing the personal transformation that aligns our hearts with His will. I don't mean to criticize Phil and Andy, and I don't think the Lord's teaching here should be considered a rebuke to them. But since His will is always focused on extending His life and love to people, following His selfless example will mean laying down our self-centeredness to serve as ushers rather than gatekeepers.